Okay. Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 tonight, we're going to look basically about verses 1 through 9. I think we got, yes, yeah, evening study, Exodus 6, 1 through 9. And uh, we're continuing, of course, our study of this book, the powerful, this is a powerful Old Testament book. And here's what it shows us, if you think about it. It shows us, Exodus shows God's redemption of his people Israel and really is a foreshadow and a picture of God's redemption of mankind. So when you think about the books of Exodus, you see how God redeems the nation of Israel out of Egypt. But at the same time, it's a foreshadow of God, how he redeemed us through Jesus Christ. We see the Almighty God keeping his word, fulfilling his promises as he brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt and slavery back into the land that was promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And last time we saw that Moses went to the Pharaoh with the request, let the people go. And Pharaoh said no. Not only did he said no, but he made everything even harder. And things got worse, not better. And, and, you know, the Israelites actually became discouraged. And they thought, wait a minute, you know, you said God was going to take us out of here. He just made it a lot Worse, and I think they begin to doubt God's promises. Well, this evening we're going to see God reminding Moses of the promises that he made. And we call it the covenant, and we're going to see a little bit about it as we go through it. God keeps his word and fulfills his covenant. The truth is this, even though uh, when we go through life and things look like they're up and down, or right or wrong, and all kind of things, we never forget God's promises to us in the scripture, in his word. There's so many great things. So let's trust God regardless of the circumstances. So let's begin with prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of bringing us together. We thank you, Lord, for a great group as we come together to study the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the Word that is alive and powerful and sharper than your two-edged sword, that it is your written revelation to us to know it and apply it, to pass it on to others. Thank you, Lord, for the the Scripture. Lord, as we look at the book of Exodus and we see uh, your plan for us, and as we actually see how you deliver Israel, it's just a foreshadow of your plan for us, deliver us from the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ, uh, our Savior. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Teach us tonight, Lord, as we continue looking at truths from the book of Exodus. Lord, we know that the things that were written in the Scripture, even the Old Testament passage, were written for our instructions. So may we see truths and principles that we can apply right now. Thank you, Lord, that your Word is so is so fun to study, so good to dig. And thank you, Lord, that you are a great God who loves us with an everlasting, unconditional love. So teach us now, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, I went, most of you know I went to Dallas Seminary. And it was 1981 when I went. I knew it was going to be hard because I'd been out of school about 10 years. I got a master's uh, in education from Delta State in about 1972. So this was 81, 9 or 10 years. I knew there'd be pressure, especially Greek and Hebrew and the papers and everything. And I was right. I have to say that Dallas at that time, it's a lot easier now, but at that time, uh, I think it was the hardest school that I'd ever gone to. And I, I tell people this, that I studied more in the first semester at Dallas Seminary than I studied all my four years of undergraduate and my graduate year. I did. In one semester, it just, it was just seemed like, uh, of course, maybe I just got a lot slower. But anyway, it just, it was pretty tough. At the end of that first year, I remember that, uh, I realized, I said, how are you going to go three more years of this? I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, it was 128 for a master's, 128 hours. I just didn't think I could make it. I remember one of the profs said this. So he said, listen, you, you will graduate. You're going to make it. It may not look like it right now, but you're going to make it. And when I think of some of you and you think, gosh, some of you are in school and you think, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out or maybe I'm not going to ever get a job or a really good job or maybe uh, I'm not going to be able to finish the things I want to do. And sometimes in the events and circumstances of life, we need to be reminded of God's promises and truths that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And this evening, we see God has to remind Moses 
you know, when Moses saw the burning bush, he didn't he didn't know what to think, you know. And God said, "I'm God, and and I'm the everlasting God, and I'm going to send you to to do all this." And of course, he gave all these excuses, and God answered them all. And now Moses is there, and he's told the people, he's told the elders of Israel, and they're all excited, they're all pumped up, and he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, "I don't know." the Lord. I don't know who you are. I'm God here, and I'll control everything, and I'm going to make it a lot harder. And so when Moses came out from meeting with Pharaoh, everything got worse. And then the people came to Moses and said, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And Moses ended up going to God and saying, I don't understand this. You told me to do this, and now things are worse. And uh, so this evening, God is going to remind, as we look at this, God's going to remind Moses that he will deliver the people from from Egypt, and he will keep his promises. And I think sometimes in our lives, we need to remember what God has done for us, that he says, I give you what? Eternal life, and you'll never perish. I mean, you know, I talk to people, and it just amazes me that you talk to people, and you say, have you believed in Christ? He's your Savior. Yes, you've trusted in Christ. What did he give you? He, he gave me eternal life. So you're saved and saved forever. I hope I am. I said, no, wait a minute, what did he give you? Uh, eternal life. How long does that last? And they have to stop and think because they never actually realize that eternal life means eternal life. And it means forever. And you say, how long does it last? And they say, forever. I said, so you're saved forever. I hope I am. Wait a minute, what did you just say? And it's just amazing sometimes that people don't always think about the promises of God. What does he say? I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? He provides every uh, thing, every need that we have. He is our protection. He is our strength. He is our shield. We need to remember that. As we look at Exodus chapter 6 tonight, and we're only going to get the first nine verses, even though that's not very many verses, there's still a lot here that we want to be reminded of. We're going to see God keeping his promises. Let's start. Let me give you the outline. This uh, Here's we see God reminds Moses. That's the first eight verses. We're only going to look at nine. So the very first section is that God reminds Moses. He first of all says, let me let me remind you of who I am. He gives him the name. And then he says, I got a plan. I've got seven I wills. In other words, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. And he goes on. He says, I got seven things I'm going to do. And that's what we call it the seven I wills. They deal with redemption, relationship, and residence. We'll talk about it as we go through the passage. Then we're going to see that this is what God reminds Moses. But we'll see Israel's wrong focus. And the bottom line is they're focused on the problem rather than the promise. And that happens a lot of times in our lives. The truth, when we get our focus off God and we put it on ourselves or our circumstances, it always leads to discouragement and depression. It always does. Because the truth is, uh, we can't do anything. uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from Him, I can do Absolutely nothing. So we must keep the focus on God and His promises. Well, let, let's let's think through this. Last time Moses went to Pharaoh and said, "Let God says, let my people go." Pharaoh said, "I, I don't know. I don't know the Lord." I'm God around here. The problem is, is you are too lazy. Y'all got too much time on your hands. So I'm taking away the straw for brick. You got to go find your own straw. You got to make the same amount of bricks. And the people were being bit, beaten, and and the people were angry, and they were actually angry at Moses. They came to him and basically said, what, what have you done to us? Look at verse 22 or tw- and 23 of chapter 5. This is what Moses, Moses returned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Look, look what's happened. Everything's gone wrong. Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done harm to this people and you... You have not delivered your people at all. Your promise was to get us out of here. Look what's happened. In chapter 6, God's going to say, wait a minute, let me remind you of who I am and what I promised. That's the key. 
Because sometimes we say, God, why are you letting us do this? Why did you let this turn out this way? Why did this go wrong? Why did this happen? God says, have you forgotten who I am and what I said? That's the hardest thing. Well, let's see the details. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, he will let them go. And under compulsion, he will drive them out of the land. He's talking about his own people because Moses just told God, you've not delivered your people at all. And God said to Moses, now, you're going to see what I'm going to do. He's going he's to drive them out. He's talking about the Jewish people. Moses said to God, you haven't delivered us. God says, wait a minute, Moses, I will deliver. That's what I'm going to do. I will He says, under compulsion, he will let them go. Now, I want you to understand something. Pharaoh is never going to let the people go because Pharaoh wants to let them go. He's going to let them go because he's under compulsion. He has to let them go because of God's judgment on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Pharaoh is going to be forced to let them go. Notice he says, under compulsion, he will let them go. Under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land. There's going to come a time that Pharaoh actually says, get out of here. Get out of here. And they're going to leave. God wants Moses to realize God's in control. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will. Pharaoh will drive them out and let them go. And the great truth for us to remember is that God is in control. In everything that happens, in all the events, it's His way. We rest in the sovereignty of God. There's no uh, chance or fate. We rest in knowing that God is in control. So notice what God does. He reminds Moses of who He is. And this is something we have to remember. Notice verse 2. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And the word Lord is which word? Which one is it? It's Y-H-W-H. This is, he says, I am I think we got it here. I'm the Lord. I'm the I'm Yahweh. I'm the eternal God. Because remember, Yahweh basically comes from the Hebrew root word, root word Hayah, which is the I am. That's why God says, I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. Because his name means I am. It's the idea of eternal. It, it wasn't I was or I will be, but it's I always am. It's the idea of eternality there. We need to remember who God is. And that's what Moses needs to remember. Notice what God says to him. He says, I am the Lord. Verse 3, and I appeared to who? Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but, but by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Now, that may confuse us, and we'll talk about it in just a second. But he says, look, I'm the one who appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We studied, if you'd been coming on Sunday nights, we studied before we got to Exodus, we did Genesis. We did the whole book of Genesis, and one of the things that we saw was that God chose a man named Abraham, and then for, and gave him all these promises about the land, the seed, the blessing. And then he passed it on down to Abraham, to Isaac, his son Isaac. And then he passed the same thing down to Jacob. And so he says, listen, I am the Lord and I appeared to Abraham and I appeared to Isaac and I appeared to Jacob as God Almighty. Now, these were the patriarchs and they were the key people in the history of Israel. He's reminding Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm the one that appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and and I appeared as God Almighty, that is El Shaddai. 
El Shaddai means God Almighty. That's what it is. He says, I appeared as the El Shaddai because I'm the one that's the all-powerful one. Now, he went on to say, but by my name, L-O-R-D, I did not make myself known to them. No, they knew Lord because if you go back in Genesis 13, Abraham says, I know the Lord, and he uses the name, and he says, oh, Lord. So God's not saying to Moses, uh, I, I just call myself El Shaddai with them. I never call myself Yahweh. No, he did. What he's meaning is this, and watch. It says, "Go if you can slide it up here. Um, to Moses, yeah, to Moses, the eternal God is going to make himself known as the Redeemer. See, to, to the Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he's the, the strength and the provider. But to Moses, he's going to say, I'm the Redeemer. I'm going to make myself known as the Redeemer. I think the next slide says something about this. It says, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he was the provider and the Almighty One. But to Moses, he's going to be the Redeemer. So all he's saying is that I didn't make myself known to them that way. He's saying, they saw me as strength. I'm going to show you that I am the Redeemer. That I'm going to bring you out. And that's really the story of Exodus. I mean, you th- look at Genesis, and what do you see God as? He's the almighty creator, the, the powerful one, the one who speaks it all into being. If you look at the book of Exodus, you see God as the redeemer, the one bringing out his people. Now, uh, he reminds Moses of the covenant that he made. Look at verse 4. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. If you remember, especially when we studied the book of Genesis, and starting in Genesis chapter 12, God made a covenant with Abraham, and he promised him really three things about the covenant, and I think we got them right here. He promised him a land, a seed, and a blessing. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you the land. We call it the land of Canaan. I'm going to give you a seed, which will be a great nation, and ultimately the seed is the Messiah, and then I'm going to make you a blessing because through you the Messiah and and salvation will come to all the world. That was the promise. Now, in this passage, he doesn't say anything about the seed of the blessing because the issue here is not the seed of the blessing. The The issue here is the land. He's going to take them out and bring them to the land. Notice, I also established my covenant with them to bring them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. He says that the land is what, you're em- what he's emphasizing. He's going to redeem Israel from Egypt. Now, I want to remind you of something, and this just to help you think through it. If you remember when we studied the book of Genesis, the Jewish people, 70 of them, that's all it was. Don't think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as a nation. They weren't a nation. They were a family. And at the most, there were between 70 and 75 of them. They were living in that land. And while they lived in there with all the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and, and all of that, they were beginning to be polluted. We saw in the book of Genesis that uh, Judah got messed up. And he, he was going off the wrong direction. And so what God did was remove his people from the land on purpose. And the way that he did it is he put Joseph into Egypt and brought a famine and brought his people down there. He actually saved them through the famine, saved them from being polluted by these people. And so he saved them from the promised land for a while. Now in the book of Exodus, he's going to take them from Egypt, which is not the promised land, and he's going to bring them back. And as he says, the iniquity of the Amorites is now going to be full. It wasn't time. These people, as God would say, aren't wicked enough yet. Now all this time has passed. They're wicked enough. I'm going to bring my people back to their land, and they're going to move these people out of here. Remember what he said to them? When you get to that land, you remove those people because if they live in the land with you, what will they do? They'll pollute you. And what happened when Israel went into the land? 
They didn't move them all out like they were supposed to. And what happened? They got polluted. That's, that's just what happened. Now, notice what he says. I established, I also established my covenant with them, verse 4, to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. Now, furthermore, he goes on to explain. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage and I have remembered my covenant. Now, God is speaking in what we call anthropomorphic ways. He's speaking like a human being. Do you think he goes, oh, what is that noise? Oh, that's my people. That's my people making noise. I've, I've just now heard that. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I had a covenant with them. See, I have heard, I have remembered. He doesn't ever forget anything. He knows everything. He's using human terms to say, at this time, now I hear what's going on. I see what's going on. I remember my promises. It's time for me to fulfill the promises that I've done. That They're not supposed to be in the land of Egypt. It's time to go back. God will keep his word. And it is a great truth for us that no matter how things look, God's word is always right, no matter how it looks. And God's going to deliver. He's going to keep his covenant. Now, I want to show you something that you're going to love. The next three verses, verses 6, 7, and 8, go together. And he has seven statements in there. Let me see what we have here. There, if you look up here, there are seven statements in these next three verses. And I call them the seven I wills. And they're based around three things. The first one's based around redemption. He says, number one, I will bring you out. Number two, I will deliver you from bondage. Number three, I will redeem you. That's three of the first seven statements. And this is about redemption. Look at the next verse. Then it's dealing with relationship. And here's the next two. Number four, I will take you for my people. Number five, I will be your God. And then the third one deals with their residence, and he gives two more to give you seven. I will bring you to the land. I will give the land to you as a possession. Now, I know that's a little bit fast, but if you would, can you go back uh, uh, one more slide? Look at this again. The seven I wills. Redemption, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. So that's redemption. Then the next one. Relationship. Notice, I will take you from my people. I will be your God. That's relationship. And then residence. Where are they going to be? I will bring you to the land. I will give you the land to you as possession. So it's pretty amazing that we're going to see just in these next things. We'll go back over a little bit slower. I just want you to see it. But three things stand out. Now watch this, these three things. Redemption, relationship, and residence. Redemption, this deals with salvation. Relationship, this deals with the fact that they're God's people. Residence, the, he has their land for them. So think about Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to bring you out, redemption. I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, relationship. I'm going to put you in the land. That's your residence. It's pretty powerful. So he makes the seven statements. Now, I want you to see one other thing. Look at this right here. Verse 6, I am the Lord. Verse 7, I am the Lord. Verse 8, I am the Lord. And it's powerful. I'm not sure it got copied. Uh, it, it didn't. Um, on my notes, it's supposed to be L-O-R-D, all capitals. And that's not. So I'm sorry. It should say, I am the L-O-R-D, all capitals. I am the L-O-R-D, all capitals. I am the L-O-R-D, all capitals. So that, because what he's saying over and over is, I'm the eternal God. I'm the eternal God. I'm the eternal God. And I do what I say. You know, have you ever thought about this? To the eternal God, 
Does time make a difference? Not really. I mean, because we think, I hope you keep your promise in the future. He went, future? <laughs> I always am. I am. Past, present, future. There's, in reality, there's not past, past, present, and future for God. He deals with us in past, present, or future. But it's not like God's got to go, gee, what did I say I was going to do? i got to remember what I promised. It's never that way. I am the Lord. Three times. He reminds Moses, I'm the eternal God. We need to be reminded that we get to represent and know the eternal God. It's the same God. Everything's the same. I mean, we look at Moses and we see God saying, let my people go. And we go, wow, God's great. That's the same God we talk to every day. That's the same God. Everything's the same. So let's see it. Look at verse 6. This is the whole idea of redemption. I think that's what we have. This, this is the next slide. Say, yeah, here's the redemption. And look at the three statements. I will bring you out. I will deliver you from bondage. I will redeem you. Notice, here it is, verse 6. Therefore, say, therefore to the sons of Israel. Now look, I am the Lord. There he is. And he says, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great judgments. And so what we see is I'm going to I'm going to bring you out. This is the idea of redemption. I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you to bring them out from the burdens because they're slaves. They have to work hard. They're they're dying. They're dying. We don't understand that. None of us, we've never been slaves. In fact, we don't like our job. We say, I don't like I'm quit. I quit. <laughs> Go find another job. They couldn't do that. I will deliver you from bondage. Slavery to freedom. Freedom. I will redeem you. Now, one thing you've got to think about is redemption. And I think redemption is one of the key truths in the whole Bible. Think about the book of Exodus. It's the picture, that the truth that is found in the book. In Egypt, there's the nation of Israel went in with 70, 75 people. They're going to come out with 2 million. And here they are, the nation of Israel. They're slaves. They belong to Pharaoh. God's plan is, no, 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 that you don't belong to Pharaoh. You belong to me. I will purchase you. I will redeem you. And he buys them and he purchases them out of Egypt. How does he do it? What does he use? The Passover lamb. That's how he delivers them, right? He says, get a lamb, kill it, put the blood on the door. Put the blood on the top and the two sides. You have to believe me. You have to trust me. You kill the lamb and you put the blood up there. And when I come through the land, I will see the blood and I will pass over. That's why it's called Passover. He says, I'm going to redeem you. God says, I will redeem you from Egypt by the Passover lamb. And we realize this great truth is all through the whole Bible. We are slaves. We're sinners. We've fallen. We're slaves to sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We're in bondage to sin. And God says, I'm going to redeem you through the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 18, 19. We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So the redemption is the story of the Bible. It's the story of the book of Exodus. It's what he says in verse 6. I am the Lord. I will redeem you. He is the one who pays the price. He is the redeemer of Israel. So the three I wills, the first one is, I will bring you out, I will deliver you, I will redeem you. The second part in verse 7 deals with relationship. And remember, he has two things. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. This is relationship. You're my people. I'm your God. How many times when you read the Old Testament, God keeps saying things like, I am your God, you are my people. That's over and over. Look what he says in verse 7. Then I will take... 
you for my people and I will be your God and you will know now watch you will know what that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians you're my people there's a relationship there we have the same thing we have a relationship with God he says when we trust in him he says you become what children of God we trust Jesus Christ. We become children of God. John 1, 12, as many as received him, I think I've got the verse, as many as received him, then he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. So he says in the second part, I will take you as my people. I will be your God. So we've seen redemption. We've seen relationship. The last part is residence. And he says, I'll bring you to the land. I'll give it to you for a possession. Now, Sometimes we don't think about what that means. You realize when those people leave, they're not going to an empty land. They're not going and crossing a river and going to the land and say, boy, this is wide open spaces. This is great. There's a whole bunch of people living there. And God says, you got to go in and you got to move them all out. That's your land. You're going to have to move them out. Wow. Residents, I will give you the land. I will give it to your possession. Notice verse verse 8. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. Notice, I am the Lord. Three times, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. We've seen the whole idea of redemption, relationship, and residence. Notice, I will give you the land I promised you. God makes a promise, makes all kind of promises. By the way, that's their residence. Did he make a promise to us concerning residence? They're going to go prepare, John 14, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. If it wasn't that way, I told you. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it wasn't that way, I told you, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when it's all ready, I'll come back and get you. And where I am, thus you will also be. It's powerful. So the promises to Moses, redemption, I will redeem. Relationship, my people, your God. Residents give the land I promised. It's the same for us. You thought about that? Next slide. We have redemption in Jesus Christ. Just like there's redemption in the Passover lamb, redemption in Jesus Christ. We have a relationship. Our relationship, we're children of God. We have a residence. Where's our residence? Where citizenship is not here on this earth. We're, we're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. So think about what he says. God says to Moses, you've not done what you said. God said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord. I will redeem you. I will be your God. You'll be my people. And I will give you the land that I promised. All based on his covenant. That's one of the most important, really, the most I, the the one passage in the Old Testament that puts the whole Bible together is Genesis 12, where God makes the covenant with Abraham. Every Everything comes off of that. It's powerful. When God makes a promise, he keeps us. He said, I will redeem them. You'll have a relationship, and I'll take them to the land. And he says, because I am the Lord. Now, Moses, you think he would go back and say, listen, I just, uh, I just talked with God. And I just want you to know everything's everything's okay. Everything's fine. He's he's going to redeem us. He's going to give us the land. We're his people. He's God. Uh, every, everything we could ever want. And the people would go, yeah, oh, yeah, we knew it. But look what they do. Verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel. They 
did not listen to Moses. Why? On account of their despondency and cruel bondage. They didn't listen anymore. They've taken their eyes off the promise and they put it on the problems. They're in slavery. They're suffering. And they're saying, Moses told the people, but notice, I, I think I put it there. They didn't listen. Why? Because they're discouraged. They're in bondage. Listen, if we look at the circumstances, we're going to always miss the promises. Whenever there's problems in life, we oftentimes take our eyes off the truths of the Bible and the promises, and, and, and we miss the promises because we look at the problems. And that's what we've got to do. Listen, we're going to get to it. You know, in, in Sunday morning, uh, we just finished basically John 5, and we're going to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, the very first part of John 6 is two more signs. The first one is feeding the 5,000. The second one's walking on the water. They're coming up just in the next two weeks. You're going to get two more signs. It's really powerful. But the walking on the water one is one of my famous because it's not found in the Gospel of John. It's found in one of the other Gospels, Matthew, where Peter actually gets out of the boat. If you remember, Peter says, if it's really you, command me to come out. And Jesus says, come out. And he's out. And what is he doing? He's doing great as long as he keeps looking at Jesus. But when he takes his eyes off Christ, puts it on the circumstances, he sinks. It's the same thing here. These people have taken their eyes off the eternal God, I am the Lord, and they put it on their problems. And they're sinking. And that's why it says despondency. Despondency. I remember Prophet Hendricks used to say that he would talk to Christians or he'd talk to people and he'd say, how's it going? And they'd go, pretty good under the circumstances. And he'd, all, he'd say, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You know, we can either look at life and say, boy, everything's so tough. Or we can say, what a great God we have. He can do anything. So what have we seen? So we've seen Moses is depressed. <laughs> and so he goes to the Lord, but the Lord has to remind him of the promises. He says, I will redeem the people. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. I'll take them out of the land, all based on the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the response is, when he went to the people, they looked at the problems rather than the promises. That You know, I, I, have you ever thought about this? It may have taken ten plagues to get the people to get ready to get out of there. You know, you think one plague would do it and say, yeah, we're ready to go. Look what God did. It took them ten plagues to get them out. Application. Let's keep our focus on God and his promises, not the problems of our lives. See, when the trials and the problems and circumstances come, it's so easy to look at the problems. But we got to look at the promises, not the problems. Why? Well, number one, or A, is God keeps his word. God keeps his word. He always does what he said. He's a covenant-keeping God. He made a covenant with Israel, so he kept his word there. But he's made all these promises with us. I'll never leave you to forsake you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I give you eternal life. I give you abundant life, uh, you know, over and over. You know, I give you spiritual gifts. You can do this. So he keeps his word. The second thing is, let's understand the promises. Remember, they deal with redemption, relationship, and residence. Redemption. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We never take that for granted. I think every day we should wake up and say, thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for the redemption. I was talking to a guy today. Uh, we were at Aspen and just talking. And we, we were talking about the fact that that most people don't understand grace of God at all. They may say they do, but when you really get down to it, they actually still think that there's something they must do in order to be saved. Or something they must do to keep being saved. I talked to a person in the last week. And they had been in a church that didn't teach the grace message. 
And so when they came to Countryside, they got the grace message. And so somebody at that other church went and talked to them and said, why are you leaving and going over there? And they said, because we believe that salvation is by grace through faith plus nothing. And when you trust in him, you have eternal life. And the person said to them, if you believe that, you're going to hell. Yeah, you've been told that because you say it's just faith alone in Christ alone. And see, just remember, understand the promises. We have redemption in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. We were dead and now we're alive simply by faith. We have relationship. Our relationship is with Jesus Christ. We're, he is, God is our Father. We are His children. We have an eternal relationship. And then third, that residence, that where are we? we? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just pilgrims or strangers passing through. And when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, live as a child of God, but live in the eternal perspective that this is just a temporary thing. This is not even our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. So may we focus on the promises, salvation, redemption, being a child and all of that, rather than the problems of life. We've got a great God. Remember what he says? I am the Lord. It's powerful. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to uh, look at the book of Exodus and, Lord, just the, just the things that the Lord told Moses. And, Lord, we realize that you keep your promises. And whatever you say is right, and it all goes back to your word. And you have given tremendous promises to us. First of all, you've told us about redemption, that we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and, and we're saved in that way. And then you've told us about the relationship that we have with you, that as many as received you, we become children of God. And then you've told us, Lord, about what you have for us. You've gone to prepare a place and we'll always be with you. Lord, may we never take these promises for granted. May we realize that what you, what you say is always is true. And may we not be like the Israelites who, because of their circumstances, they miss the promises. May we look beyond the circumstances to the promises. Thank you, Lord, for these great truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, got any questions, comments, anything about the passage tonight or anything? Yeah, Gary. Right. He did everything right and they cut his head off. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah. And it's such a good reminder for us because we live in days when the world around us is getting darker and darker. And, and if we don't have that inner strength, uh, yeah. we're going to collapse. I, I think you're right. I think when, when you look at life, if you think that as a Christian it's supposed to be just smooth sailing, uh, you realize that God's plan is not to mature you through smooth sailing. I mean, I hate to say it, but his plan is to mature us through the circumstances of life, that we have to trust him, and we have to live by the Scripture and grow. I wish, I really wish it wasn't that way, personally. I mean, that's how we think. We think, what, I wish it would just be better and that we would just trust him without anything, but the problem is we, we won't trust him unless we have to. <laughs> I mean, that's what it boils down to, but that's a good point, good point. What else? What else? Any other questions, comments? Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted everybody to know. She said it was good. That, that just, just in case you missed her statement there. What else? Anything else? It makes us stop and think about Jesus. When we study the Old Testament and how 
God kept his promise, his covenant with all those people, he's still keeping his promise and his covenant. Even though Israel today is in a little bit of trouble, he is going to take care of it. Exactly. Everything he ever said and promised to the nation of Israel will come to pass for the nation of Israel. And even the promise, here's the key, the Abrahamic covenant, the promise to Abraham was that through Abraham all the nations of the world will be blessed. That means the, that's because the Messiah is going to come and be able to bring salvation to all people, anyone who will believe. So the promise to Abraham is is really for us. He, the, the Messiah came, Jesus came and died and rose again because it goes back to the Abrahamic promise. So Abrahamic covenant, it's great stuff. What else? Anything else? Yeah. I think you said it really, really well. That's so true because in life we think that we represent Jesus Christ and everything should, everything should turn out exactly like we think it should turn out. We saw last week that they went right to Pharaoh and said, God says let the people go. Thank you so much. It was great being here, but we'll be going now. And Pharaoh said, I don't know the Lord. L-O-R-D. He's already told Moses, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. Pharaoh said, I don't know him. And I'm not letting you go. In fact, I'm taking away the straw. So, you know, sometimes you stand in a fallen world for Jesus Christ. You expect the world to say, oh, yes, you're just so wonderful because you're a believer. The world nowadays says we think you're not wonderful because you're a believer. So, good stuff, Don.